Hello and welcome back to another episode of Under the Lights. We've got quite a packed episode for you today. Southampton have gone up to fourth in the Premier League and we also have a current player on the show. My name is Tom Murray. My name is Callum Wilson. This is Under the Lights and we're off to Kingsland Corner. So uh, an, another day, another victory for the Saints. We're uh, starting to get ourselves a little bit spoiled and 2,000 fans there to witness it in the torrential rain. But of course, in good spirits, good voices and fantastic for them to be able to see the Saints once again in action. Yeah, it was the perfect return, wasn't it? 3-0 win in a game that you and I were talking about as a potential banana skin and up to fourth and... Yeah, life as a Saints fan is uh, is pretty good at the moment. We uh, it, we look. I, know, I mean, I know we're playing bottom of the league, but that was such a dominant performance, and we play. We didn't even have to get out of second gear. I don't think we were even in second gear at any point in the game, really. No, no, I think you're right. There was just one scare burger in the first half where we switched off a little bit. Other than that, reminded me a lot of the Newcastle home game where we were. Um, yeah, we were in charge for much of the game if you know 99% of it you said there was potential banana skin and me and you with our Saints fan hats on were, were, were saying you know it's, it's never that easy but it was that's exactly what it was it was easy for Saints and uh, we we both thought we'd win but we thought Sheffield United would put up a bit more of a of a stern test than they did and just thinking before we started recording this just thinking about the game we're accumulating points and we have a, a system and a way of playing whereby I can see us getting like points in volume. Like we see these games, we do what we do, and barring some strange circumstances or a number of players being off or individual errors, we're likely to win the game. And um, yeah, games like Sheffield United, like Newcastle, like West Brom, even Everton at home, they're, they're kind of seemingly games that we just need to to get out of the way, get through, do what we do, and we'll get the points. And it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant feeling at the moment because we're not used to it. It's almost, it's, it's not quite at the standards, but when we're in this form, you kind of get a little bit of a feeling as to what it must be like to support a big team because I, I feel like maybe that's the, kind of, that's the kind of attitude that they have towards a lot of the games. You know, you've got to win, you've got to pick up points, and these are games where actually... You should be picking up points, and uh, anything less than a win not isn't acceptable because I don't think Ralph is is certainly not portraying that personality. But I think we're expecting it, and I think I think within the camp, I think they're expecting it as well. So keep picking up the points against the teams you should, like we were doing sort of five years ago when we finished in that sort of sixth, seventh, eighth, and then give everything you've got against the big boys and see where we are in the shake-up at the end of it. It seems to be like we're just churning out the wins at the moment. And one thing I've just remembered is that of our four wins at home, we haven't conceded a single goal in any of those. And I don't want to sound like a, a Michael Owen quote, as it were, saying like, if you concede goals, then you're not going to win games or something like that. But when we do win, we win in dominant displays and we're solid at the back and I mean the Spurs result aside and Man United where we did we did look tired we're now making St Mary's a difficult place to come from. Yeah I think you're right you mentioned the two teams that we that we did lose to and in both games we went ahead 
and in the end, maybe the quality came through, was Spurs and Man United. And, and Spurs was at the beginning of the season when maybe we, we hadn't quite clicked. So every other game, as you said, we're, we're winning and we're, we're winning in a professional manner, which is, is great to see. We're not letting things slip. Don't, you know, I remember that Everton game, they barely had a chance. Uh, Newcastle might as well not have been on the pitch. They did absolutely nothing. And, and similar against Sheffield United, you know, they had that one chance in the first half and they had five minutes at the beginning of the second half where they got a few set pieces. Other than that, I think McCarthy didn't have to make a save and he got himself a clean sheet. So, you know, brilliant at the moment. Keep it going. It's almost, a, it's almost a, the trademark of that best of the rest, isn't it? We're winning the games easily at the moment, apart from when we're tested against those big sides. And that's when we've got to find a way of, of competing. Um, and I think we're good enough. But it's great to see that at the moment, touch wood, we're not slipping up in, in games that maybe should be more straightforward. And what was really pleasing to see from that game is uh, Nathan Redmond coming back on, looking sharp and scoring a really good team goal as well. Re really nice build-up because nothing against the, the first two. In fact, Adams has done really, really well to get that finish away and get it through such a tight angle. He's, had a, he's got a bit of a habit of that, Shea Adams, of scoring goals where they really shouldn't be happening and getting them through those really tight corners. But, but the Nathan Redmond goal was, it was such a good team move, so silky. And it's great to have, as you said in, you said in the previous episode, we now have those players who can come off the bench. And we look, although we are still an injury away from not looking as great at the moment, with the squad entirely fit, we've got options all over the pitch. Yeah, and it's great that we've got a fully fit squad at a time when fixtures are coming thick and fast. You know, you play Sheffield... United and three days later you've got another game and then three days after that you, you've got another game so to have the squad fit now is great and I, I took great pleasure from seeing Redden come on and score not only a goal but a really well worked goal. He's a player that can frustrate fans uh, because we know what he's capable of uh, and he's, he's found it really difficult to get consistency over a long period of time on the south coast but what I loved about that goal when you're watching the replay you can see Ward-Prowse in the middle, kind of, the ball comes to Redmond, I think he maybe cuts inside and Ward-Prowse sort of just points towards, I think, the centre-backs or towards uh, uh, the holder midfielder or something and says, you know, pass it back, we'll start again. But players like Redmond or Gineppo or Walcott, those are the players that will try and create something. And, uh, and instead, Redmond stood his man up, did what he sort of usually does, slowly creeps forward, waiting to to kind of do some feints, waiting for the defender to make his move, plays it into Romeo, but then after that, carries on his run, and Romeo does really well, Ivan Eagle stuff. And Redmond, not given the chance to take his time and maybe overcomplicate the shot, as he's losing his balance, being sort of eased out of the way, manages to find a great curling finish. So that really topped it off in what was a, a really perfect performance from Saints from start to finish, front to back. And it, it, it was a a perfect uh, performance from Saints, although I'd, uh, I'd argue that uh, the, the one man who probably had a bit of an off day was that of uh, the King, Danny Ings. He sort of, uh, maybe there was a bit of rustiness there, some poor decision-making, some poor finishing. He didn't really get himself into the game, and when he did, he sort of fluffed his chances. But that's how high our standards have been set over the season, that we're considering a striker who's getting in those positions and maybe pull it, not quite getting the, the ball off and still getting an assist as maybe having an off day. Yeah, like you said, he got the assist for the Armstrong one, the, the scruffy deflected goal, but I don't, he had his chances and Ramsdale, although they lost 3-0, was in fine form 
Um, the one, the one where he tries to square it to Walcott at the end. You could take good things or bad things from that. On another day, Danny Ings could have had a hat trick, and on other days would have had a hat trick in the form he has been in. Didn't get a single goal, uh, which he won't be too happy with. But you could see from his reactions, even the one where he knew he got it wrong when he tried to lay it off to Walcott to give him an open goal, but he was just smiling because Saints, I think, were two 0 up at that point. And I like, I like the unselfishness of it. I like that he's in. And what's annoying is that you know if Danny Ings had taken that shot in that position, we I say you know maybe not because Ramsdale had saved a couple, but he was he was inside on his right foot and he could just curl it in that far corner. And I could see what his thoughts were, but in the end, a trailing leg from from Ender Stevens and 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 the balls away. If it's one nil or nil nil, then I'm not so sure if he if he tries that if he just buries it because he's the talisman. That's his job, but. Yeah, I like, I like the idea that he's trying to lay it off to Walcott. Hasn't really played with him much. Walcott almost came in the team for him a little bit. So, um, yeah, yeah, the relationships uh, all over the pitch coming together. And none less so than the uh, than the centre-back pairing, who I thought, again, were, were fantastic. I thought Bednarak had a really good game. They didn't have a, a massive amount to do, but I feel that Bednarak defended really well when he needed to, was there for everything. Um, and Vestergaard... Likewise, and also on the ball, just a joy to watch at the moment. He is Virgil van Vestergaard at the moment. Is I mean, we, we talk about maybe possibly drawing any similarities, but pace aside, he's got the comp. He is showing like similar shades to that of Van Dijk in the uh, in sort of the sixteen seventeen season under Puel, where he sort of came into his own as our best player. He's incredibly composed on the ball. He's a giant in the air, and then he's very silky going forward. Now, I wouldn't for the life of me, wish to see Vestergaard playing up front where I think that Van Dijk could play all anywhere, any position on the pitch. But in terms of his general gameplay at the moment, it's brilliant. It's really good. His, his passing at the moment, both feet, and when he does go long for Walker-Peters or Walcott, whatever, it, it, it's a, again, it's another option that Saints have in breaking teams down. Yeah, and one of those, one of those is when he found himself somehow on the edge of the box and you think a defender... You know, we talk about Hoiberg in the past, who's a who's a, a, a midfielder, but was was a box to box midfielder for us, who would really lose his head when he got anywhere near goal and kind of blaze it into Rosette. Vestergaard got that far forward, and I remember hearing the commentary, and they were kind of ready for him to shoot, and he just disguised this through ball to Danny Ings, and it was one of the saves from uh, from Ramsdale. So, yeah, he, he's getting his fair share of goals, so maybe he doesn't need to shoot on sight. But again, he had a few chances and he looks like he could score every opportunity. We're, we're becoming predictable from set pieces, but we don't care because it's one thing knowing about what's going to happen and another thing trying to, to deal with a six foot seven giant and a, and a right foot wand from Ward Prowse who could put it there whenever he wants. So, yeah, we've got that as well. He almost scored again. He had a couple of chances with his head. He won't mind that he didn't score, but another clean sheet. Uh, three points going into, well, testing not only because of the volume of, of, of games, but also the calibre of opponents we're coming up against. You know, Arsenal next, who you know, right now aren't looking too good, but they're still Arsenal. You know, Man City after that, and then we've got a few tough games coming up. So Saints in fine fettle, uh, fine form going into this with their tails up. And right now, no one wants to play us. Not at all. And... One one final point I sort of want to make about the Sheffield United game, and I know it's easy to uh, come on when you're 3-0 up and, and the team's playing well and the fans are smiling, 
but I thought, what a great cameo for Dan and Lindulu, who came on, looked sharp, looked really eager, almost scored with his first touch when the ball came back off uh, a Ramsdale clearance. It was charged down. He looked a real... Uh, a really good option to have up front and I reckon I mean you and I were discussing this not on the podcast but we were discussing about how he could be sort of sort of take Oberfemi's place as the new young academy striker to come through and get those minutes because Oberfemi seems to have fallen off the cliff yeah I thought I'd, yeah I really enjoyed his his cameo I thought it was a really smart substitution the game was won why not throw him on keep other players for for another day where we might need more minutes out of them and 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 bring him on in front of a crowd, uh, albeit at 2000. And I think he, I think that really spurred him on. I think he wanted to take his chance, you know, immediately from that kickoff, wasn't it? From, uh, from Redmond's goal, I believe. He, the ball went back to the midfield. He chased it down to the defence, all the way to the goalkeeper, chased him down, got that block. And I remember, I, I, you know, sort of shouting at the screen, go on, lad, because you just wanted him, you know, you were like, yeah, that's what we want to see. The young lad coming through, and, and putting in the effort. And yeah, and he looks a good player. First touch was good, held up the ball nicely, laying the ball off wide for uh, for those sort of counter-attacks. You know, we'll, we'll see his quality and we'll be able to judge whether he can be a, a useful asset up there going forward. But we know he scores goals in the academy and he's, he's got some real height as well to add in there, which, which will be useful at both ends of the pitch. So yeah, a good a good option. I just kind of felt like it's good to see one of our young players come through because although the opportunity's there and Ralph says it's there with the first team playing so well, we kind of see the odd cameos from maybe Teller and Nundulu and, and like we saw. But it was good to see someone get a chance and not look out of place because when that happens, suddenly you think, OK, we've got a lad who can hack it in the first team from the academy. Let's use him more often. Um, and, and that's what will happen with him, I think. I think over the course, well, especially with so many uh, games coming up over the Christmas period, I think you'll we'll certainly see him. And I, I, I would, I would be shocked if he didn't start the FA Cup game against. Shrewsbury. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah, yeah, that game that's on television somehow is going to be. Yeah, it's got Dan and Dooley written all over it. But again, it depends. You know where we are. Is Ralph going to target a cup run? You know, you, d- you don't know. So yeah. we'll see. But well, he's, so- he's definitely yeah. an option up front. He certainly is, and maybe for that FA Cup, we'll need some rotation just to continue our title charge. Anyway, things very rosy at Southampton at the moment, but Callum, we've got a guest on today. We've got Shelley Proven joining us. Yeah, yeah, you say things are rosy for the men's team, and they are, and, and equally rosy on the uh, on the women's side of things. They can't stop winning, promotions, winning every game at a canter, and, uh, and just off the back of a 5-0 victory against our neighbours Bournemouth in the FA Cup. So I'd like to welcome Shelley Province, Southampton FC Women Defender, on to the show. Shelley, thank you very much for joining us this evening. There's no problem at all. It's a pleasure. Fantastic to have you. And on the back of you returning to action, a 5-0 win against Bournemouth in the FA Cup. How good was it to be back out there? Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, I think um, after the second lockdown, I think the girls are just itching to get going again. Um, we're just hungry to, to keep winning and to, to keep improving, really. We know that uh, the FA Cup is something that we can use to really prove how far we've come um, and where we should be in the future. So it's a good challenge for us, but also a way that we can prove to others where, where we should be and where we can be. So, yeah, it's brilliant. It's been quite a while since, uh, since your last game. I know it seems to be strange to be asking this after a, after a 5-0 win, but was there any rustiness in the game at all? Well, strangely, <laughs> um, we were, I think we were 4-0 up within about 
15, 20 minutes. So, um, yeah, I think we were probably expecting a bit of rustiness, but the girls, the girls have been working so hard over lockdown and we had a really good sort of week and a half of training leading into the game. Um, we, we had a few girls away on England camps um, and training, training has been fantastic and it's been at a really high level. So I think the girls were ready going into that game and that showed in the first 20 minutes, we looked sharp and we were, we were actually really clinical, which is something that we've probably need, needed to be up until now. So, um, yeah, really pleasing that we, we went ahead that early. Um, so we didn't have to do more work later on in the game, which has been more of the case in, in other games. So. As you mentioned as well, first, you know, you got off to a great start kind of, carried on as you left off for that second lockdown how was the the fitness as you mentioned you got the job done pretty early on I think it was around the 70th minute that you, you went and got the fifth was was everyone uh, feeling okay get out of it unscathed and or was it a bit of a tester in the FA Cup to kind of get your match fitness back up and running <laughs> yeah I think there's always an element of match fitness I think whatever you do away from the game and what we've done over lockdown it, it can never fully replicate a, a football match but the girls as a squad they work so hard and they're so committed to to keeping their fitness levels up and obviously we've got a great team of people at the club who put on sessions for us to do over lockdown not only to keep fitness up but to prevent injury I think that was really important coming back and they sort of phased our return so that um, we didn't go straight into contact so we had to have a training session where we we, where we had non-contact and we sort of yeah we, we, we were eased into it to to so that there weren't too many injuries and, that, and there hasn't been so that was obviously a positive so one player who certainly didn't show any rustiness continue banging in the girls Ella Pusey hat trick <laughs> I mean she she, she certainly uh, started started again on fire yeah she's she's worked really hard on her game and I think that's showing she's worked hard on her finishing she's worked hard on her fitness so everything on the pitch away from the pitch she she's worked really hard on so I think she's really earned that yeah and her that's really showing on the pitch and I'm really pleased for her she's she's working hard for the team but she's also scoring goals uh, which we obviously need so yeah it's great and in the next round you've got Plymouth Are there any early thoughts on that particular fixture oh I think we're just so pleased to be playing at home um <laughs> to yeah to have a a fixture at Totten and to I don't know what the the case is with fans yet but if we can have people there at Totten for an FA Cup match then then that's huge for us we we love playing at home we we love playing at Totten the the pitch is fantastic the environment's fantastic and yeah we we're really looking forward to playing at home are we looking forward to getting back into league action as well because it's, it's played for one for but half the games you've played so far this season have been in the cup are you looking forward to getting some more points on the board and progressing towards the goal which is obviously promotion again yeah of course this is our, our bread and butter and you know the cup the cup's fun it's exciting and and a way like I said to prove how far we can go and, and where we want to be but the league is is so important for us we we want to keep building and pushing on and and getting promoted where we can and and that's our ultimate aim really and that's that's what is really important that we that we do come top and we do get promoted this season in order for us to to keep developing. It's going to be uh, pretty common knowledge that we'll have a lot of listeners, Shelley, that might not know as much about what's happening with the Saints uh, women's team. And obviously, having only been going for the last couple of years, it's growing and growing and, and people are, are investing themselves more and more into it. 
Yeah. Would you mind if we kind of went through maybe some of the, the more basics as to where the club are, where, where we've started? Because I know there was initially in 2018, there was a um, an application to start off in the championship, but we had to start further down to try and work our way up. But in, in Space of Hell, we've got a fantastic manager and, and you girls, since you started, haven't been able to um, to lose the winning habit, have you? No, it's, uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to be involved sort of the, the end of the first season. It started initially as a, I think it was an under 21s or 23s team. And we've just gone from strength to strength. The The club have, have fully committed to to our journey, really. And that's been so important that the club have been fully on board. And yes, we, we did apply for the championship. But I think it's been a blessing in disguise that, that we didn't get in initially because we've evolve naturally and I think that's that's been a really positive experience and I think it's allowed some of the youngsters to come into into the environment and and to grow in within a a club that has a really good backing from a, a Premier League men's side so yeah although it was a disappointment initially I think it's been I think it's been great for us actually to to evolve naturally and you're in the you're in the fourth tier so so for anyone that doesn't know, joined in in the league and won every single game, 100% record. Now you're you're in the fourth tier and once again top of the league with with uh, with four wins from four. So so looking for promotion. What I'm what I'm keen to get an idea from from yourself is where do you think the team and and the women's uh, the club team are right now in terms of a standard? Do you feel that if you were to join the championship or even the top division that you'd be able to compete because you said you're obviously evolving and that's where initially you, yeah. you wanted to be you're playing a lot of teams that maybe on on paper aren't as as big a club and a bigger name as Southampton and you're you're kind of sweeping them aside if you don't mind me saying where do you think you 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 girls are right now you know could you compete at the top level yet or are you getting close do you know i think the way the way we train we train to play and compete at a higher level so we don't train to play in tier four we train in an intensity that is preparing us to play against higher opposition um, and I think that's really important. Um, and I think that probably shows in the games. And that's why we maybe do go into into our games looking sharp and looking looking confident because we train and we push each other to to show standards that we would need um, if we played against a higher tiered tiered team. I mean, it's hard to tell where we where we could be and who we could compete against, who we could win win against. That's something that we're excited to have the challenge to do in the near future, hopefully. And that's what the, the Cup run's all about. And that's why we're looking forward to the next phase of the FA Cup. Yeah, and obviously we can't look past Plymouth, but uh, you all must be itching to get a, uh, a big name in the Cup and to, to really test yourselves. And of course, you've played um, at higher levels and, and played for, for a great number of teams why why was it that you wanted to join Southampton and in, in such a new uh, project i was i was i'm in an iron at the time honestly whether i was going to carry on i just had my second child and i didn't know whether i'd be able to carry on 
and it became quite clear quite soon after meeting the people that were involved and finding out what what the club were were going to do and how they were going to invest in the women's game that it was absolutely the, the absolutely the right decision for me they wanted to support me through my pregnancy they wanted to support me back on the pitch and to have that I just, I could tell that that's where I, I wanted to be. Uh, I obviously started my career, my uh, women's football career at Southampton. And I think when I was 17, I had to move away to, to continue to play at the highest level. And to know that that sort of standard of club was going to be on my doorstep was, it was a no brainer really. And it's, it's absolutely the best decision I could have made. Talk about your own your own personal game for listeners who, again, may not be completely familiar. But how would you dis- obviously you're a defender? But how would you describe your position on the pitch and what sort of the strengths of your game? <laughs> I actually started my sort of football career as a as a striker, and I was in the when I got into the England setup at sort of under 16 level. Hope Powell at the time obviously saw something in me that she could see in a in a left in a left back. So I started to play there, started to enjoy it. It was sort of the point where a left back was becoming more of an attacking position. So I'd say I'm I'm quite an attacking left back and I probably get told off for going forward too much. <laughs> but um yeah, I mean it's yeah I'm definitely sort of an attacking left back um, I do like to get forward but try to stay back when I need to <laughs> sort of in sort of in the uh, the, le- the the wannabe left midfield role just start, I, I bet sometimes you find yourself much further ahead than uh, some of the attacking players and then Marianne's telling you you need to get back in defense. yeah absolutely absolutely I love an overlap <laughs> we'll say that <laughs> I, w- I want to talk about Marianne because obviously she is regarded as one of the best English footballers of all time. Now, obviously, you're, from, from what I've read, you're, you love learning from uh, really experienced people. And uh, as any player does, did you find it daunting of someone of her calibre to be sort of under the wing of her calibre? Or did you feel maybe this is a really exciting opportunity to learn from one of the best? Oh, God, absolutely excited. It was, yeah, I I think I've told this story quite a few times, but I remember being on the, the training pitch when she came for her interview training session and I sort of saw this person walking across from a distance and me being, I'd sort of played, I'd played against Marianne as a youngster and I just sort of looked over and I said to, to one of the staff members, I said, is that Marianne Space Tea? and uh, and they said they just sort of nodded their heads and yeah it was just that was the the light bulb moment I thought Do you know, yeah this is the club wants to go places and that was a real a real moment where you realize that the club wanted to to invest in the in the women's game and to be to to be one of the best teams in the country what is she like as a coach? Because obviously you have first-hand experience being part of the squad. We hear what she says in interviews and how, I say, I, for, the, uh, for the FA Cup game, I read that she was adamant that you were fit and ready, for, to, ready to go, as it were. What, what's it like learning under her? She's so calm. She's like calm, cool, collected. 
she's got so many wise words that you can you can take everything that she says you sort of hold on to every word she's she's got so much experience in the game and she's very clear on what she wants and and how she wants us to play um, and I think that's really important to have that clarity and for her to be confident in us as players but also uh, she doesn't allow us to get ahead of ourselves and I think that's really important with the position that we're in and the players that we've got. She keeps everybody's feet on the, gr on the ground and, you know, we, we stay very grounded as a result of her, her ways really and, and, and how she manages the team. And from a sort of a, a player management perspective, from what I've seen, it looks at that is, would you say it's one of her strengths? Because I see a, a managing each player individually because it was, I think it was, the video of the MK Dons FA Cup game mm. where I can't remember exactly which individual player it was, but she said, do you know why you're in this team? It's because we believe that you're good enough and to go out and do that. Would you say that that is one of her strengths as sort of individual player management and sort of really sort of psyching you up for the occasion? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that shows in the, in our performances. I think if you've got a manager that believes in you and, uh, beliefs in everybody as individuals then then you're going to be successful and I think that's where we get our confidence from and that's where we you know how we're so prepared for each game we take every every game as it comes we don't get ahead of ourselves and I think that's really important yeah I think the the girls are well I think she's in a really unique position in that we've got a, an extremely strong squad considering the league that we're in and she has to be a fantastic man manager to be able to to manage so many great players mm. um and she does that fantastically well so what's she like on the training pitch does she get involved and does she uh, or does she have to rein it in a, in a little bit just in case she shows any of the girls up? <laughs> <laughs> do you know i i remember i always remember the way that she struck the ball as a striker she could she could shoot from distance like nobody else could at, at that time and uh when she does join in you can still see that she's she's got it <laughs> for sure <laughs> and what does it what does it mean to you as well i wanted to mention because um, you, you've said in terms of your your time at Southampton so far your kind of proudest moments every time that you lead the club as as a captain how how important is that to you and what what did that mean to you when you were given that responsibility? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm now club captain, um, so I haven't been pitch captain anymore, but that, it was definitely one of the proudest things I'd ever been able to do. Um, I had never been captain at a club before. I'm not the most vocal player. And for Marianne to, to give me that responsibility and to believe in me in the way that she did, yeah, it was very, it was very, very much a proud, proud time for me and my family, really, because we were, we were Southampton born and bred. Yeah, it's something that, that me and my family were, were very proud of. And now I'm proud to be, to be club captain and to promote the game in the best way I can and on off the pitch. So. Well, on the pitch, you're certainly doing that. We've, we've spoken about how you've got that winning feeling. I just wanted to ask a really quick question regarding sort of keeping your feet on the ground, as it were, and the way that Marianne keeps you all level-headed. As a player, is, is it difficult sometimes at this particular level to keep your uh, feet on the ground when you are beating teams with ease and all respect to the other sides that is it ever a challenge to go into the next game thinking, right, this is, a, this is, this is going to be a genuinely tough game. We're going to have to work hard to get the points. 
even when you're on such a long winning streak? I just think the way we prepare for games doesn't allow for that. We focus so much on how we want to play. We give every team respect. Of course. We look, our analyst is fantastic and he will look at how they play. We look back at videos. We, we analyse how they play and we still try to adapt and, and play to our strengths. But also we, we give them respect in terms of how are we going to set up to defend against them as well. So we will always give the other team respect and we'll always train in a way that prepares us for the game um and honestly we just don't we don't think about how many we're going to win by it's just we we're going to play to the best of our ability we're going to play as a team and we're going to play the way that we've trained this week and we're going to put everything into place that we've been asked and i suppose for or if and when promotion does happen that sets you up perfectly for the next division and you know as you keep on trying to progress I suppose yeah that completely reiterates that that mindset if you want to of such high standards to set you want to maintain those give the, the opponents the, the uh, respect that they do deserve but it also prepares you mentally for when even tougher challenges come ahead and I suppose also if when you go into get into further rounds of the cup as well so that you can really prepare yourself for those kind of fixtures yeah absolutely I mean the the setup that we've got is on a par if not you know even better than the super league clubs that i've been at we're so lucky to have the resources that we have and and the people that we have that genuinely want us to to do well as individuals they want to make us the best players possible and and that comes from lots of different areas you know you're looking at the psychological side you're looking at the physical side it's the the technical side and the people that are in charge of that and work with us are wholly committed to to moving us forward as individuals and as a club i want to talk about your 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 career as a whole and i think that obviously the best place to start is towards uh, towards the beginning because whilst doing some research on you i realized that you and i both went to the same university in <laughs> in loughborough which yeah. is for any sports person you could argue is the best place to get an education especially in, in the sport area. And for, for listeners who are maybe not familiar, the Loughborough campus, you can't walk anywhere without <laughs> seeing some sort of sports facility. I didn't, I didn't do sports. I was, wasn't good enough uh, to be any, part, part of any of the university teams either. But how was it as an education for you at Loughborough when you know, it's so widely renowned, but to actually have first-hand experience on, on all, all of that, how, how was it for you? Uh, I I think you look back and you probably realise that you took it for granted a little bit whilst you were there. It's not until you look back and you think, God, whilst we were training on the on the football pitch, you'd have Paula Radcliffe running round you. Or you'd go into the into the weights gym and the England rugby team would be in there, you know. And at the time it was just it was normal for that to happen. And you look back and you think, wow, that was that was amazing, really. No, it was a fantastic opportunity. I mean, um, when I was about 17, um, a lot of girls were going out to America purely based on the the opportunities out there, you know, a, a free education, accommodation, a high level of football and sometimes paid so the FA had to do something to try and stop girls going out there 
So they started the FA uh, National Women's Player Development Centre and girls that were involved in the England setup at the time were asked to trial if they wanted to be involved and it was going to include a scholarship type opportunity uh, with full-time training. So I'd done a, a year of A-levels at Barton Peveril and moved up to Loughborough to a, a boarding house when I was 17 and did my second year of A-levels up there. So I got a bit of an experience of that as, as well as the university system. So yeah, I stayed in the system through my second year of A-levels and then I did my, my degree at Loughborough. So I did sports science at Loughborough whilst, whilst training up there, which is, it was fantastic in that it kept me in the England set up. It kept me as fit as I could be. It kept me um, as technically good as I could be at the time. And yeah, I, I, I have so many amazing memories of Loughborough. And you talk about, you know, uh, keeping fit and being in a really a peak physical condition. I have to say, if, if you do go to Loughborough and you don't do some sort of sport or use the facilities, then you're obviously not doing something completely right there, especially <laughs> everything that you have at your have at your disposal. What would you say that Loughborough taught you in terms that you've carried on over in your career? Any, any, any sort of key lessons that you gained whilst there? I think, I don't know whether lessons, I, th I feel that it's made me appreciate that that football has given me so many opportunities and that being a massive one I think I wouldn't have got on the course if I couldn't play football <laughs> you know so I think it's it's given me the opportunity to to do courses to do things to go to places that I would never have done if I didn't play football and I think Loughborough really highlighted that I learned a lot in terms of how to keep myself fit so I think the knowledge that came from all the all of the staff there but it also allowed me to grow up and encouraged me to to grow up quite quickly so I had to move away from home at a young age so I had to be more independent I had to <laughs> think about things other 17s did <laughs> other 17 year olds didn't really have to think about and I learned quite a few like good life lessons from that as well. Away from Loughborough you've played for a, a plethora of really big clubs I mean we've got I, I'm just going to reel them off here because and there are some really big names there we've got we've got Leeds we've got Bristol, Birmingham, Chelsea, Reading and Notts County those are some fantastic names to have sort of under your belt. Is there is there a a, apart from Southampton, of course, is there a particular <laughs> favourite uh, time of your career at those clubs? Any any moments that really stand out for you individually? I think my first year at Reading was probably one of my highlights. Uh, we were playing under Jane Ludlow, who's currently the, the Wales manager. And I played with Jane for a season when she was at Southampton, actually, um, many moons ago. Um, so I sort of knew of her. And yeah, I just had a very consistent season. I had a season where the manager really believed in me and I think that showed in my performances. Uh, it was the end of that season that I ended up getting pregnant with uh, my first child, but that that gave me the motivation, the hunger to get back after, after having him because I wanted to be back involved with the club. But yeah, that was a that was a, a great season. What would you consider sort of your, your proudest moment of your career today? It'd be hard not to mention, you know, big games or big competitions that I've played in. So I've been lucky enough to play in um, two under 19 European championships. Mm. Um, we got to the quarterfinals of the first under 19 World Cup in Canada. And my uh, parents came and my brother came out to, to support me there. So to have them there during 
such a an amazing competition was was fantastic played in the world university games which is an amazing experience but i think like you've mentioned before to be back at my home club and to be able to play in front of my family who don't have to drive hours and hours to to get to to home games and to have my children there watching is definitely definitely my proudest moment you are an experienced member of the southampton squad what what does what does the future hold for you are you looking into going into coaching after your after your career or what aspirations have you got going forward i'm not very good at looking past past today let alone <laughs> longer than that and you know all i'm focused on i'm i'm not long back from my acl injury and i think my my only focus at the moment is is making sure I'm at the top of my game so that I can play for as long as possible. The reason I'm I'm still playing at, at this age is because I still love having the ball at my feet. And as long as that's the case, I want to, to still be playing. Obviously there's gonna get it's gonna get to a point where these youngsters outrun me. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'll have to think about what will happen at that point. But you know, I, I'd love to still be involved in the club in some way in the future. I just I just wanted to ask Shelley, you're talking about the past and and all those great experiences you've had and and tom's just mentioned into the future but focusing as you say on the on the not too distant future i mean you've mentioned previously that your sort of inspiration comes a lot from your father who who played into into his 40s Mm. um is that an aspiration for you personally and and also if we're talking in sort of five years time what would you like to have achieved not only on a personal level in terms of how long you can play for and at what level but with with the Southampton team where would you like to to potentially leave them in a playing capacity in say the next four or five years yeah it's a good question because I I I came to the club wanting to help the club in any way to get them to the highest level possible that was that was my aim and I owe the club a huge amount of the support they've given me personally to my family through my injury the the support the girls have given me has been fantastic and I owe them a lot to to play for as long as I can but also just to give as much to the club as I can on and off the field so I think uh, the club's aim is to get as high as possible they want to be playing at the top level and I think they will and I want to leave when they are at that point whether I play up until that point or whether I'm still involved in in the club at that point uh, what, whatever it may be I just want to help the club to get to the highest level and with a with a sports science degree at, at Loughborough you're not short of um <laughs> of, of ways in which you could still assist after your after your playing careers over <laughs> Yeah, it's an interesting one. I've I've taught for, I've been a PE teacher for for over thirteen years now. So, yeah, I don't know anything different. So I think it's it's one of those careers that you stay in for for quite a, a great deal of time and you get used to. And I've been at the same school for that period of time as well. So I think coming away from that would be quite difficult. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it'll be interesting. It's. It's interesting to see where the club's going to go and yeah being involved in that for as long as possible being a teacher and also being a parent as well makes makes you a little bit different from a lot some of the members of the squads how does that do, do you does that come into at all how you interact with the with the squad is there anything that you can take from uh teaching obviously and then bring that to to the training sessions as well yeah i mean i i try not to i come into into training sessions on a 
the same as everybody else and I think I try to to pass on any experience or any ways that I have in training more so than I do um, anything else I try to support girls best I can I think I probably emotionally can see where girls are and I try to recognize that and, and hope that I can support them off the pitch as well as on it um, so I think it just gives you that sort of emotional intelligence as to, to when players need you know an arm around them or just a little chat or a message to see how they are and and I think me but there's also other players that are very good at that which is why the girls are such a great group and surely that also helps with you with you being club captain that just sort of the role comes into itself with the experience that you've gained in terms of passing that on but also being sort of the arm around the shoulder if needs be yeah hopefully yeah I think uh having children myself <laughs> and teaching teenagers <laughs> you like to think you've got some sort of experience in in that sort of area I mean I've got much to learn but <laughs> have a, a little bit of experience of it yeah so I yeah I suppose I've I've been through quite a few experiences negative and positive so I think that's a good thing I've you know been at clubs where my contract hasn't been renewed I've been through obviously my injury and I hope that anything that I can I've gone through has allowed me to be stronger and a, a more rounded person and hopefully they recognize that and I I can pass on anything that can help anyone else that are going through the same experiences of course you you spoke about your injury ACL a long a long time out and that, that must take an incredible amount of mental strength to get back into the game that you love especially with an injury like that yeah you you think so and I think I do I do naturally have a I'm very determined ridiculously determined you know I think there was question as to whether I I should carry on after or whether I I could and there was no question in my mind there was absolutely no question in my mind but I probably didn't realise how difficult it was going to be. And I think that's where the club came in. They were, they honestly were absolutely amazing. I think for everyone listening who supports Southampton, I was, I think the positive side of the injury was that I was in the training ground. I was in amongst the club and its workings uh, four or five days a week. And the people involved in the club are truly amazing. <laughs> they are, every single person that works within the club are fantastic. They are amazing at their job, but they're also fantastic people. And to, to be around those people and to have the support of the club from the security team all the way up to the board members who would quite happily give you give you their time to ask how you were how's your knee doing to be in that environment was was amazing in terms of getting through an injury like that everything around the uh, the club itself just seems to be incredibly rosy at the moment and it helps when, yeah. both, when, when it helps when both sides are, are winning game after game after game yeah. absolutely so we don't want to uh, sort of go over stuff that we've talked before but in terms of this season uh, the goal obviously is is to get promotion is to it's a do you set yourself a target at all for how far you want to get into the cup or is it a case of let's see how we go I think each season we've um, I think we've gone one round further each season from when we started um, so last season I think we got to the third round 
Uh, we played against Coventry at St Mary, so it's a game that we got to play there and we had a huge crowd, which is fantastic. Unfortunately, we didn't win that game. Um, so this season is definitely one, we want to go one step further. So, you know, it's a championship club that we played against and the girls played fantastic. They they did really well, but it, it showed in the end that we don't play regularly at that level. But I think the way we're training the players that we've got, the the, the squad strength and depth, there's there's definitely an opportunity and a, and a chance for us to to push even further this year and that's obviously got to be got to be our aim and again for listeners who may not be familiar we've, we've talked about yourself we talked about Ella Pusey getting the getting the goals are there obviously everyone everyone has their part to play in the team everyone is uh, ha, has their fundamental role but yeah. are there any for, for, for our listeners, are there any, any names that they should particularly look out for <laughs> without you know, doing anyone a disservice or anything? Yeah, like that? well, do you know, I think the girls are fantastic. I, 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 would, I would mention every single name because I think that as a squad, if you played any single one of the players in our squad in any one of the games that we've got this season, we would perform it's such a fantastic position to be in we've obviously got a few girls that are involved in the England youth setup which I'm really excited about I think there's some girls there who have got potential to go really far in the game and you know there's still some developing to do they've only just come into women's football but they've adapted to that amazingly well the girls that have come in I mean you you just wouldn't know they were 16 17 years old the their maturity is is fantastic on and off the pitch. Their ability to, I mean, even the game on Sunday, you've got a, we had a very physical game um, in tough conditions and, you know, they still perform. And I think that's, that's really important that they've got the potential, but they've also got the character to come through some of these tougher games. So, yeah, I think as a squad, it's, it's really exciting. <laughs> One question I did did want to ask, and I know I don't want to delve into what's been going on in 2020, but I want to talk about the impact of, of, of fans. How, how much difference does it make when they are there as a player? I think it's huge for us. I know we don't get, you know, huge crowds, but that's something we're aspiring to. And we're getting used to fans. We're getting used to fans against us. We're getting used to fans cheering for us. And I think we're really lucky in that we have a home environment of Totten. It's it's an amazing facility and it allows for for a good amount of fans to be there um, and to support. And it also encourages quite a family atmosphere. So it's a, a nice environment to be in for, for all ages. We definitely miss having all the fans that we've and supporters that we've had over the last couple of seasons because they've been fantastic. They're so positive. They um, support us through social media as much as they can. They still have done through through lockdown. And yeah, we, I think we're just really looking forward to have all having them all there to watch watch us play. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you spoke at the the beginning the beginning there about maybe you don't get the the largest crowds, but I think that any fan really makes a difference. Just to have that noise, just to have that encouragement, that support. And as you said, you know, the, the, the love for the team is growing by the day and mm. it's going to be great when you do get back and you do have the, uh, the supporters behind you. Fingers crossed it is, for, it is for a good cup run and they can, I mean, we, we, we don't know anything. We don't know what's, what's going to happen, but it'd be really nice if they could be there for, for the Plymouth game to cheer you on in, in, in the cup as well. 
Yeah, I mean, that would be fantastic if if that's what's what's allowed, but it'll probably give us more encouragement and more impetus to, to get us even further, you know, because it will give us more chance to have more fans further down the line. So even if that that isn't possible, yeah, it will give us that encouragement to get even further to a point where we, we can have our supporters and our fans there with us. Yeah, we saw what, what impact it had with the, with the men's team on, on Sunday just gone or be at only 2,000 fans it's, it makes such a difference to um, to an empty ground and, and as you mentioned last season as you girls progressed into the uh, further into the FA Cup you obviously got to play there uh, it would make a, a, a hell of a lot of difference I'd imagine for you to be able to play there again but but with fans rather than um, rather than playing your games at, at an empty ground, we're, we're talking hypothetically, and obviously we need to find out exactly what the rules are going to be and what's going to happen, and, and it will be uh, it will be a real positive for you not only to return after lockdown, but so soon after if you can can get further in the cup and you can you can have uh, a day at St Mary's where fans are allowed back in. I think they will all culminate in in what's been a, a pretty terrible year but a year that's you've you've still been progressing I know last year it kind of it got pulled off and that was frustrating but you started yeah. the season uh, again in in fine form and it would just be uh, it would just be a really nice way to kind of even end the year if we could get fans back in to watch the women's game and, and if we do get further and further into the cup um, maybe we could come along and, and, and watch you guys at, at St Mary's again Ah, oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, I, mi I missed out last season. I had to watch from the stands. So <laughs> <laughs> the opportunity to play there would be, again, would be fantastic. Yeah, I know the girls, how much it meant to the girls that time. Yeah, and the way that the club supports us, I'm sure that's going to happen again in the future. I don't want to uh, take up too much more of your of your time because we know you, the... Uh, You've barricaded yourself in so that so the kids <laughs> don't don't, uh, don't come in and, and interrupt. But, Not a bad um, thing. Get a bit of peace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You uh, you're a, you're a footballer, but but job one is is obviously a mother. Um, I just wanted to ask you. Uh, the broader question of women's football and, and not just for Southampton, but the the progress that we've seen um, as a nation in the exposure of the women's game. And, and the progression in quality and um, obviously culminating in, in, that, uh, in that World Cup. How proud are you as a, as a women's footballer to, to see how far it's come in, in the last decade, but especially in, in sort of the last four or five years? Oh, it's so exciting. I mean, <laughs> to be a youngster now and to be coming into the game, knowing that it's a, you know, a real possible opportunity to be a professional footballer is is amazing um, and I'm really excited for the generation coming through and just to be a part of sort of the start of that even if it's the end of my career is fantastic actually it's still it's nice to be a part of that I think the games come a, come along massively and that comes from from support and, and normalizing the game I think when I started playing when Marianne started playing it was we were you know one of I don't know a handful of girls that that played in our in our area and it just wasn't something that happened it was something that people would would frown upon or they would look at you and stare at you but that just doesn't happen anymore you know you see a girl play football and it's it's almost normal now which is 
for me that's a huge sign as to to how far the games come and the opportunities that are now available obviously there's certain areas that that still need developing there's there's still areas that that need to 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 go further but i think that will happen it will happen naturally as more and more people interested in the game as more and more people coming to watch and realizing that it is a great a great game and the girls that are involved are are really inspirational it's it's a fantastic note and i i think it, it, the growth of the game is is really brilliant to see and it just gives as you say it's it's inspirational and you can't wait to watch how it develops and grows even further in the next coming years Shelley thank you so much for joining us this evening it has been a pleasure having you on no thank you very much it's nice nice to talk about the past and and what's going to happen in the future but thank you very much for your support we really appreciate it of course now we uh, we will end your hour of peace and quiet you'll have to take the barricade down <laughs> damn <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got you've got cheltenham to look forward to as your your next game you're obviously going into it in great form so fingers crossed that when you do get back to that league action you can pick up with another three points fingers crossed thank you very much tom if you want to find shelly on twitter you can find her at shelly cox three yeah thanks very much lovely to meet you Shelley, and give the uh, give the girls our best wishes for the rest of the season. Good luck on all fronts in uh, in both the league and the cup. No, I really appreciate it, Callum. Thank you. Oh, what a great great interview that was, and yeah, Shelley was really forthcoming. It's an absolute pleasure to to talk to, and we, as we say, we hope that the the ladies continue to fire on all cylinders and uh, and progress up the divisions as uh, as they get closer and closer to the top. Talking of the top, Southampton men's are fourth in the Premier League at the moment, a position once synonymous with Arsene Wenger's Arsenal side uh, as, as not good enough to qualify for Champions League every single season. These days they're closer to fourth bottom uh, and that's the side that Saints come up against this Wednesday. What are your thoughts on that then briefly before we, before we sign this one off Tom because a bit odd going into a game at the Emirates where Southampton considered favourites. They have to be really. You know, Arsenal lost four on four at home on the bounce, so having a torrid time. Xhaka got sent off for them against Burnley. Whether that's actually a blessing in disguise, we don't know. But I mean, the way that we're playing, the way that they're playing, it's hard not to feel excited about the game. I still think that a point would be a decent point because let's not forget this is. This is still a way to Arsenal, who are considered one of the, you know, the top six sides. But with the way that we're going at the moment, who says that we can't go there and win well? Yeah, I mean, I'm confident that we can go there and win. As you mentioned, you, you know, a, lot, a lot of fans are talking about how um, we're the favourites and we should be winning and all that sort of stuff. Let's not get too carried away because Arsenal do still have players who can turn it on and produce a, a moment of magic at any time. It's just that the likes of Aubameyang, most, you know, most notably William, Lacazette and others, just haven't been turning that on this season and something's afoot there. But I do, I do see us as, as favourites. I'd like to see what the odds are with the bookies, but I think Saints have a lot in their favour. We've got momentum. I think Southampton have a way of playing where the, the central midfield can be dominated in a two-on-two. Xhaka's two. Um, not there. Party injured. So Alneni and Ceballos probably coming in. I think or I'd fancy our chances there. They play a three at the back with a 3-4-3 three, three Arsenal. And I think I think our system is, is kind of the, 
the Horcrux of that um, one for you, Harry Potter fans. If uh, it, yeah, I think if we come into to them and they're playing that system, I think not only in midfield can we dominate, but where they've got Saka on the left as a wing back, Bellerin on the right, we can double up. I know we usually play with our sort of wide number tens coming in narrow, but there's an opportunity either to drag those wing backs out of position or to double up on them with our full backs. Um, and once you do that, you drag those kind of wide centre-backs out, like Tierney, uh, Rob Holding, and all of a sudden that creates space in the middle where we find that we have two strikers. So it just seems with every scenario, I feel like we've got the potential to create space, but also almost like we've got an extra man on the pitch. Um, and the way that we're playing against the ball, that Arsenal side uh, are going to be put under a lot of pressure. That back line is going to be put under a lot of pressure from the off. And uh, we've heard just today, actually, that there won't be fans there now. But I think that might just be a blessing in disguise for, for the Gunas. Yeah, they're certainly low on confidence. And you feel that fans are not happy with what they're seeing. And why, why would they be at the moment? And especially when they are so low on confidence. Uh, Hasenhutl's style, he's got it down to, seemingly down to a T at the moment. And against a, a team as confident and as energetic as Saints, who will press the the living daylights out of Arsenal um <laughs> you do not want those players with low confidence are not gonna not gonna be having much time on the ball and that's certainly not that, that's certainly going to play into Southampton's hands as it were and you talk about that that midfield pairing it just seems weak to me for El Nenny and Tobias a lot of creativity but with the determination that Saints have got and the form that they're in you feel that that's a that's a situation that we can overpower them the only concern I might have is with the fitness we saw them flag against Man United Arsenal do have some very good players Aubameyang is going to score a legitimate goal sooner rather than later Arsenal will still create chances and Brighton and Sheffield United didn't have the quality to put theirs away Saints have got still got to be careful because whilst we can get a great victory Arsenal still have the uh, the, the potential to um, be, our, be our downfall yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what I was I was going to go on to. You make a great point is that there are a lot of fans sort of expecting us to win this and, and saying that we're the favourites and I'd, I'd be interested to see the bookies' odds because in form, yes, we are. And we do have a system in Arsenal in free fall, but they do have, still have individuals who can create uh, a piece of magic and and get a result on their own, Aubameyang being the main one, but also, you know, William Lacazette, amongst others, uh, on their day can be a match winner. So... It just so happens that none of them have had their day, really, this so far this season. And let's hope that um, that Wednesday isn't that day. Um, yeah, really looking forward to it. I think it will be interesting to see how we set up. Do you see many changes? I'm not sure Ralph's going to change it all that much because he likes to keep a winning team together. We saw that in, in, the, uh, in the festive period gone by uh, in past under Harsen Hurtle, likes to keep that team together. But like you said, second half against Man United was a bit laggy and we'll be playing Arsenal. We'll also be playing Man City. We'll have a lot of the ball after that and we'll be doing a lot of running. Just wonder if you might tweak it here or there and make two or three changes. What, what would you expect to happen? I personally think that Armstrong is really flagging at the moment. He, yes, he did score against Sheffield United and I feel that he is, he hasn't been the same since he had COVID, if I'm being completely honest. He hasn't seen the same player. I still think, though, that he's integral to the way that we play, in, integral enough that he should start. 
but then maybe I'd look to take him off after maybe the hour mark and bring on some fresh legs. And I think this is a game where Walcott should possibly be on the bench and start be starting with Nathan Redmond, especially after his brilliant cameo at the end of the Sheffield United game. Potential to rest Ings. Although I feel that Danny is going to be incredibly hungry, he will know that he should have scored uh, at least one against Sheffield United and he'll certainly be chomping at the bit to continue his goal-scoring run. And then obviously it's a case of do you give Diallo or Salisu their first Southampton starts? I don't think Salisu. We mentioned how he might maybe one of the three games. I think at the moment you don't change a winning team and you certainly don't change it defensively. Um, we've mentioned that the, the wingers are the ones that are likely to get changed. I agree with Armstrong. Um, Armstrong and Ings generally, I don't think, would play three games in a week. And Danny Ings, especially after the injuries, just came back from. So I'd expect maybe those two even to drop out of the starting lineup. What I was interested with was that when Diallo came on, it seems that Armstrong went into a more central position and Diallo went and played in that inside right number 10 position, you know, right wing, if, if you will. When Armstrong plays that role so well and, and Diallo was fresh and he's a central midfielder. So I don't know how Ralph sees him. Maybe he doesn't earn that trust that Armstrong's got yet to really see games out in the middle of the park. But that was quite interesting. I thought it would be a straight swap for Romeo and it didn't seem that way for, for much of, of um, that cameo. It was only five or ten minutes. Um, and you mentioned Walcott. I don't know if you heard um, Ralph Arsenal's press conference today, but he... He was asked about uh, was asked about Theo Walcott returning to Arsenal, and I just got the feeling from him that he was kind of he was very dismissive of that being a reason to play him. No, the question wasn't really about whether he'd play or not. It was just about how he'd you know react and if he was looking forward to playing at the Emirates. And at, at that point, we thought there'd be fans there. And 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 Ralph's uh, Ralph's answer was was very much. Oh, I don't I don't see that as a reason for for him to um, you know have to play and, and be in the starting lineup. And you know he's talking about Walcott and his inclusion in the team. So I just wonder if we might see Gineppo or after after his great goal as a substitute appearance, maybe Nathan Redmond will get a go on that on that right hand side. But yeah, I'd be I'd, I think maybe same back four, obviously McCarthy in goal, same back four, same central midfield, Che Adams still to play and then maybe a kind of one of one of the wingers and maybe Danny Ings might drop drop out. I don't think I don't know if we'll change both wingers and Ings. I think maybe a couple of attacking changes. But the way we're playing and the system and the way that everyone knows how to do it, I don't see it making too much of a difference because um we're pretty seamless in uh, in the way that we play and everyone knows the role. I mean they've all got the playbook on how to play each position. Just give it to him for a couple of days and let him do this. Let him do some revision. Absolutely. So before we uh, before we sign off for the evening, uh, quick prediction. Um, I've got to go for a win. You can't go against Saints winning when that's what we're doing at the moment against a poor Arsenal side. I think if we get an early goal, it's, it'll be a shame there aren't any Arsenal fans there because we can really put some pressure on them. But they'll feel that anyway. If we can get our press going, get an early goal, we'll win this one. And I will go for two 0 to Saints. I am going to show no bias whatsoever and say that I think if we get an early goal, we could win by three or four. <laughs> there we go. Wow. Wow. For Murray. Ta uh, I know. They, the, the, the winning feeling has certainly gone to my head. I reckon, no, three, I'll, go, I'll go for 3-0, 3-1 Saints, but 
if Arsenal, we, I, I mean, we've got to expect some type, some kind of reaction. We must do. And if they do react and if we do struggle to deal with that, then a point at the very least would still be classed as a decent result. A, a header from Big Yannick to come. Can't see Arsenal dealing with him. Gabriel's decent in the air, but no one seems to be able to deal with Big Yannick at the moment. So we get set pieces. I could see one from him again. Yeah, I reckon. I tell you who I think is going to perform really well. I think Adams is really going to come into his own against Arsenal. He's the kind of physical, fast, and technically incredibly good uh, striker that they seem to not be very good at dealing with at the moment. Although they can't deal with Burnley and their te- their technical ability up front is uh, limited somewhat. But uh, cue, cue, an, cue an hour before kickoff, we find out that Che Adams have been rested <laughs> and doesn't come on doesn't come on for a minute. But anyway, we we digress. We need to get this episode out preferably before that Arsenal game happens, so we don't look uh, look foolish. But yeah, thank you very much for listening. As as mentioned in the uh, conversation with Shelley Proven, you can find me on Twitter at Callum Wilson twenty one. You can find myself Tom Murray at T two one four Murray, and you can also find the podcast at under underscore Saints. Thank you very much for listening.